security risks posed by the Internet of Things is becoming more complex and may have serious consequences. Russia has been launching cyber attacks against the Ukrainian government's critical infrastructure. The biggest issue for IoT devices, without a doubt, is the fact that when they're built, they're often built without security in mind at all. In the last quarter of this year, there was a 98% increase in malware targeting IoT devices. The threat landscape is rapidly changing from an increase in state-backed cyber attacks as well as financially motivated attacks on businesses. Security has never been so critical. Reflecting this sharp increase, governments in the UK, US and EU are solidifying security legislation and minimum security standards. So how can businesses protect their microcontrollers from malign actors and do it simply? Answering questions like, what is the real cost of IoT security? Can it be implemented in projects that are already in flight? And what are the repercussions if IoT security is not implemented? This is episode 15 of The Critical Lowdown. Ahead of the Electronica trade show in Munich next week, EPS Global CEO Colin Lynch sat down with Chief Strategy Officer for IAOR Systems and former guest on the Critical Lowdown, Hayden Povey, for a commentary on the chip security landscape as we head into 2023 from legislative sanctions and how to get ahead. Let's jump right in. So, Colin, one of the uh, key aspects that we've been talking around for a while with security is security made simple and how we make it easy for the supply chain to bring in security, to do that earlier on new projects, but also on existing projects. Um, how do you see that going from an EPS perspective? Yeah, that, I mean, it's a great question, and I know it's something that is in the minds of a lot of customers, Hayden, because it, it can seem like quite a complex problem when you start to look at security. And I know in, in the work we've done together, actually simplicity, simplicity of the process and simplicity of understanding the actual cost of the process has been a huge emphasis of the work we've we've done together. And I, I think if you if you look at our solution today, where you you take a, a a product like Embedded Trust or Orbit. You you can either you know work within a, a a tool chain from conception, or you can work in the tool chain of your choice and add security after that process. And um, effectively now, in some cases, with free tools that you can download off the web as your starting point, you can you can buy a kit and do your development in ten units, a hundred units, a thousand units in your lab, and um, with the identical setup that EPS will use in volume production. And I, I think that's a really key point for developers from a time to market, from integrity of the process point of view. You, you can you can work and develop 10, 10 um, units in your lab by pointing at the HSM in your lab. And the same tool set that you've done that with can then point at the production HSM in EPS Mexico, EPS Malaysia, EPS Romania, who then can produce units by the hundreds of thousands for you where in the world you want them. And it's a really, you know, the ecosystem and the logistics that we have really combines the tool chain from, from IR Secure Things as well as EPS's footprint to, to, to make it easy. So you, you, you have a one-stop shop for logistics, 
it's very cost effective. So, so if, in the case of, of Orbit, if you if you want to just use the the late stage security, you, you could be using free tools from any of the major chip companies, Renesas, for example. You can you can encrypt or encode and and and, and put your anti cloning your keys into that after production. You can then transfer those anywhere around the world, and your only cost for that is reflected in a programming fee from EPS, one invoice, one billing, which includes royalties for the various software tools you've used, including the price. It's really very, very simple. Um, and, and you're doing that in an environment where there's a lot of integrity to the process. You, you, you know, you, you've, 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 you've got the encryption at your end, which is, is completely within your own control. And no software ever leaves your door that isn't encrypted. Um, EPS or your eventual production partners never ever see your software in the clear. So it's a, it's, a, it's got a, it's got a number of things that actually make it very flexible. And, and it's important that for customers as well as to realise as well that from our side that doesn't involve huge lumpy investments to deliver that. We're able to integrate your technology into our existing footprint. So if you're looking for ten thousand pieces, we're not trying to you know mask amortization of huge capital costs into that. It's a very cost-effective solution for us to deliver as well, and that's reflected in the pricing. So I think overall we need customers to to engage and get comfortable with that, and they'll see it for themselves. But I mean, it does look like the the job of making it simple at least is is somehow addressed in the solutions we're offering. You know. I completely agree. And I know we see a lot of our customers generally looking at moving from CapEx to OpEx-based businesses because of the way that obviously the uh, any cost can be amortized. And uh, I, I think that this mechanism enables you to take security and just make it part of the standard um, build, make it really, really easy and very scalable as well. And you're familiar with our business philosophy. We've never sold machines, right? We're we're a provisioning as a service business. We've always had that as our model, and so I hope hopefully that 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 resonates with customers. I mean, one of the things that I'm often asked is is about you know the legislative imprimatur associated with this. I mean, where is that moving? I mean, I I'm I'm very conscious that that that, that in the UK particularly that the legislative uh, progress is, is, is at a very advanced stage, but I know there's progress in the States and Europe as well. Do you want to give us a quick maybe update on that? Yeah, sure. So as you say, the product security in telecoms infrastructure or PSTI bill in the UK is now in its absolute final stage, uh, which is what's called royal assent. And it basically means that the Houses of Parliament, the, the Commons and the Lords have been through the legislation. Uh, it's been through the smoothing uh, phase, uh, questioned and poked. Um, and it's been through that process. The amendments, improvements have been made, and therefore it's ready to go. Um, and King Charles is uh, ready to sign the paperwork. And that, of course, brings through um, penalties of up to £10 million, that's uh, about $13 million US dollars, um, or 4% of global revenue, whichever is the higher. <clears throat> and um, it requires, again, just some basic hygiene from our perspective, proper identity, proper supply chain, and proper capabilities inside the OEM to deal with uh, the life cycle of products. So that's great, and we've been leading the way here 
uh, in the UK. What we've seen, though, is in the EU, they have uh, picked up the work that we have done and uh, recast it slightly, both through Etsy in the first case, and now it's going through the official uh, framing from ENISA, which is a formal standards body of the um, Commission. And again, what we're seeing here is the same types of requirements around enhanced security in general to make sure that devices can't be owned, better identity, uh, proper lifecycle ownership uh, around updates and management. But most importantly, I think, from this conversation is also an adherence to a secure supply chain. It requires that the OEMs have faith in their supply chain so that they can point to the work that they do internally to do the first one, the first 10, the first 100 devices, and then how they pick that up and how they take that to scale. And this type of service from EPS is really critical in meeting that requirement. Um, the security is made simple. The, the requirement to demonstrate that security has been implemented, whether it's through the development cycle or really towards the end of the project where people are just trying to put in IP protection, production control, or uh, inject identities. In both cases, we can demonstrate that and demonstrate meeting these uh, new legislative requirements. So I guess if I put myself in the head of a customer who's making, you know, industrial control or or, or in the HVAC business and in the smart metering business, we, you know, I've just been through two years of, of supply chain hell and trying to get parts and, 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 and I actually keep myself going. That's just about to ease now when I'm looking at these requirements. I mean, to, 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 what, what does this mean for them? I mean, is this, this is the time, I guess, to start looking at these items? Uh, absolutely. Um, the legislation is coming through and is in place. We've seen the same in the US with the uh, IoT Cybersecurity Improvement Act, and that's been followed up also with um, the White House IoT labeling scheme, um, which is voluntary but largely mandated. Um, so companies have to address this. They have to address this, certainly if they're in consumer, but also if they're at the industrial or medical domain, because these things are obviously all uh, hyper-connected these days. So for many companies, it's actually already a bit too late. And this is where the orbit technology uh, is able to help because we can help companies integrate security uh, at, at, a, at a late stage by downloading the libraries, targeting the Orbit uh, um, security frameworks uh, in the programming machines. And even if they have projects in flight, or maybe even they're doing a midlife kicker, you can still add security and you can still differentiate the product and meet the requirements. Of course, security is always done best when it's done early, but we all have to realize that you know, that's that's a best case or best practice. The reality is people always have projects in flight. So um, we've seen, obviously, the legislation come through. And this is to meet a number of 
high-profile uh, hacks which have been out there. And Colin, you were telling me recently that you had read uh, a book about this is how the uh, world will end. Tell yeah, me a bit more about that. Yeah, it was a very interesting read. I know we were chatting about this earlier. Um, a lady called Nicole Perholt, who's a New York Times journalist and who's been been working in this field, I think, for, for over 10 years. Um, and, and, and a really interesting history of how, you know, hacking was sort of formally invented, if you like, in, in the US and then exported around the world. Um, and how, how, you know, the... the IT world, which I guess you know is is the the one where this originally started with like with Microsoft and 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 a lot of the you know the big IT providers and how they've worked through these challenges over the years. Um, I suppose particularly Microsoft and Apple, and how you know in in more modern times, as those guys have hardened their systems with experience and time, that that a lot of the focus in 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 hacking has moved to the IoT and industrial systems. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen, obviously, you know, when the the Russian invasion, February the 24th, was um, preceded by by cyber attacks on the power and water grid, you know, the country's infrastructure. And I mean, a lot of the damage that's today still being done in terms of turning off the power in the Ukraine is being done by by cyber attacks rather than by missiles, you know. And and I think that it's 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 it was interesting in this book that the, you know, a lot of those systems, you know, you know, ventilation, air conditioning are, are far more exposed than what we'd have considered traditional IP infrastructure. And I, I mean, I, I remember thinking as I was reading it that, that, you know, a lot of a lot of those systems are in, right in the, you know, in the market that's been addressed by the microcontroller space, as opposed to the more traditional, you know, Wintel environments that 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 would have been the, the original sources of hackathons. So, I mean, it's it's a. It was a, it was an interesting interesting read for me. Very very present in this year with with what's you know the tragedy that's unfolded in the Ukraine and and a real salutary lesson into maybe where where exposures exist in our industrial infrastructure um, and our ecosystem. You know that that we probably were unaware of up to up to this year. And, and I mean I think you know for for guys like you and I who are who are selling into that market and who are trying to promote security. It was a it was a real wake up for me, at least in terms of some of the the, the jobs to be done in, in this space. You know, and I, you know, I'm not suggesting that um, the work we're doing is 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 a cure all or a solution to every every problem, but it certainly does help harden some of these systems and raise the threshold in terms of their vulnerability. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. I think in the next few months, because I think it's going to be on the the legislative agenda of most. Um, most Western democracies in the very near future, if it's not already top top of the list, you know. Absolutely, as you say, I think it's really highlighted the the weak underbelly of the 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 infrastructure that runs all of our uh, countries these days, and the hidden costs of these these weak points. It's very easy to see how um, people would be able to black out cities or entire countries and um, the the impact very quickly on the social fabric that we we all rely on if yeah, if the lights go out it's difficult it does it does make you think a little bit about the cost of security doesn't it because you you, you know a lot of people tend to think of the cost of security and in the case of our solution it's reflected probably in a security enabled chip that's at a slight premium to the regular version 
it's reflected in a programming cost that probably wasn't in your bill of materials earlier. And they tend to be the costs people focus on. But there's a, it, you know, something like this really makes you think about the actual costs. Um, and, and I know you, you've given this area a lot of thought. I mean, do you want to maybe expand on, on your, 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 some of your ideas in that area? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of costs to do with security, but the costs of not doing security are massive. Uh, a great example of this, I saw recently that, um, I won't name the companies, but an insurance company and a cereal breakfast cereal manufacturer who was affected by uh, an operational technology hack have just recently settled at around $100 million worth of damage. Uh, the insurance company was trying to claim that it was an act of war to try and slip out of paying uh, reparations. But these things have phenomenal uh, impact on, on the operations of big companies. And these are, are, are all just operational technology systems, which are, which are all um, um, fallible, I guess. So there, there are really six areas I'd point to when we talk about security and, and stop talking about security as a cost and talking about security as, as a value add, as a capability. And the first of these is obviously brand and reputational damage. Looking at the companies uh, who have been successfully attacked, it's a huge problem for them and they're going to question their suppliers when these systems go wrong and if if you're on the hook for one of these major attacks are they ever going to buy from you again or um you know your reputation is going to be dragged through the mud that's not just consumer electronics that's medical that's industrial that's automotive every single vendor has a reputation they need to uphold um what we are already seeing is the second thing is that people who are leading with security are able to charge more for their products. So security is going from, it's just something I need to do to something where you can stand at the front of the audience, wave a flag and go, we are doing something around security. It is inherently a better thing. The IoT labeling in the US is, is part of making this visible to consumers, but we also see visibility in, in these other marketplaces as well. Beyond that, there's services and um, lifecycle management revenues to be had. Just because we have to support a device for a period of time, five years, 10 years, whatever it is, doesn't mean that that has, has to be absolutely free. We're all used to support and update agreements and updates should be part of your, your product. And it changes the dynamic. The hardware becomes something where a service is delivered as opposed to the service in and of itself. And it, it changes to everything being as a service. Obviously, we can then also add feature enablement and feature enhancement. So if we build systems with inherent upgradability and patching capability, which we now have to, that doesn't mean we just have to fix things. It means we can also sell additional features and engage in premium-like models of pushing out technology with certain functionality, but then adding 
functionality, you know, years down the line and have an ongoing revenue model. And, and of course, we now know who the customers are. So we have a relationship with the customer. We're not waiting on mailing cards or system integrators to report back where our kit is. You can inherently see who are the users and what are they doing. So there's a whole range of incredibly value-added solutions which security enables and security is the only enabler of so this whole yes there's a cost fine that's that's absolutely there but the value not just from protecting people but enabling all these services is um is incredible it's a, it's a change in in how you approach the problem, but it certainly, um, I mean, if you were to try and achieve any of those things outside of a secure infrastructure, you'd be, you really would be exposing yourself to a, a huge attack surface, right? Without if you ha- if you hadn't, you know, thought of security first when you're trying to look at those things, it's it's a really interesting idea. Um, I suppose I suppose if we if I bring us to probably the the thing maybe. That, that was the final thing we were going to talk a little bit about. It, it, it was just this dynamic between maybe secure elements versus secure microcontrollers and 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 the, and the difference. And I know, um, I mean, the secure element market has existed for a long time. It's, it's got a very stable supply chain, and, and and you know, a lot of the vendors in that in that space have have you know programming infrastructures and provisioning infrastructures that are well established. It, it's probably a more nascent, um. Offering in 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 micros and secure microcontrollers are sort of you know relatively speaking newer products. And I mean, do, do you want to talk a little bit about where customers may see advantages in the microcontroller space going forward? Yeah, absolutely. And as with all these things, um, over time, systems become more integrated, and functionality becomes more integrated into our devices, um, reducing costs and and simplifying integration. SIMs, subscriber identification modules, or TPMs, have been around for a while, and they are a great solution in a lot of applications where you need a very high EAL level because the 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 cost of a uh, a break or uh, a class break in particular could be could be substantial. But there are a huge array of applications where you don't need that very high EAL level. You can go for something which is far more fit for purpose for IoT devices um, because the requirements are subtly different. Perhaps these systems are not going to disappear for a long time and then pop up and make substantial payments. If you think about the traditional SIM, it's the bank card. Mm-hmm. And you may have a bank card in your drawer for six months and then just take it out to do a major payment, perhaps paying, paying for a car. So that type of high security is backed up with high-end um, computer centers as well. IoT doesn't work with that. We need to have good security. We need to have great security, but it doesn't need to be perfect in the same way. So the integration of um, secure enclaves into devices is a better fit value-wise. It reduces the cost of an additional chip, uh, additional board space, the additional supply chain purchasing and management of all those. It just integrates it in. 
Secondly, that integration also enables a whole new set of use cases where, because it's on chip, we can interact with it a lot faster, a lot simpler, a lot better, using internal mailboxes to get keys generated, to exchange certificates and key material on chip. So both of these have their positions in the market, but moving forward, we strongly believe that embedded SIMs or secure enclaves uh, will dominate over the next five to ten years. Yeah, I, I think I think you know there is a there, there, you know in, in, as well as the cost stuff you mentioned, there is a performance advantage, obviously, in, in integrating the. Um, the secure enclave on, on board. Um, and then, you know, with all of those advantages, I think there's challenges on us. And I mean, that's, we're, we're, I think we're looking at it and addressing them, but, you know, we, we've really got to look um, at the supply chain that exists for secure elements and, and see, you know, where, where we can achieve similar efficiencies for customers. And I think we're on the right path in that regard. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the need... Sorry, the, the, the nature of SIMs is, of course, they all look identical. Um, so if you were doing millions of SIMs for mobile phones or whatever, or bank cards, it's a perfect solution because they're all pretty identical apart from the credentials going in each individually. The challenge with the IoT is that it is a high-mix marketplace, um, hopefully high volume as well. But the reality is you do on a machine, you'll do a, a batch of a 1,000 or 10,000, and then they get consumed and you'll do something else and you'll mix it around and around. Um, that high mix, um, medium to high volume, means that secure enclaves are much better positioned for those marketplaces. Sorry, I'm, I'm thinking you're, you know, you're that 50 to 500k a year type of space on a particular SKU is, is really where you're likely to see a lot of the, a lot of the market, right? Absolutely. But then as you get to the higher echelons, the millions, then of course the cost implications actually dominate and therefore again the integration um, of a secure enclave makes a lot more sense. You you know, if you can save 20 cents, 40 cents a dollar uh, on millions of units, then that has a substantial impact on cost of goods and um, return on investment. Right. Well, it's probably that, that that's, that's a, listen, a good a good exposition of some of our thoughts as we're we're, we're starting off uh, November and, and getting toward get towards the end of the year. I, I suppose maybe I'd ask you, do, do you have any just maybe wrapping up remarks? I might I might add a few of my own before before we close. I, I think the key thing is is perhaps twofold. I think first of all, the legislation le legislative framework has solidified. People can no longer. Uh, ignore this. It's not arbitrary, it's mandatory. And organizations have to understand this, and it impacts everybody up to and including the C-suite. This is exactly the same as GDPR. Your company's reputation, your freedom is, is in doubt if you don't pay attention to this. We will see CEOs sent to jail. We will see some big fines. I think the other thing, though, is also um, the technologies have improved through the 
chip shortages, the ability to add security at any phase of the life cycle is now there. And um, I don't think there's any longer any excuses. You can't say, oh, I'll do it in my next project. Do it today. Do it now. You know, something in, in, in thinking about how it summarized, you know, our conversation today, you know, and unusually probably sitting here on the call as the EPS CEO rather than the Secure Things CEO, I, I, I'd say, you know, actually the, the work that's been done in the product development at Secure Things this year is the biggest change to our offering. And it's, 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 a, it's a huge enabler. I mean, so if, I, if I'm a customer now, I can take a design I did yesterday, I can download free software. You know, for a, for a period, you could that, that that's that's free to every customer now to add security to designs they've already done, and that can be delivered globally in any volume you want. And um, I mean, that's a, that's starting to look like the sorts of solutions I was hoping we would had as we've been on this journey over the last couple of years. You know, and and obviously, you know, there's work to do and improvements, and and we, you know, we're 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 still working in the low millions of units and we've yet to sort of work our way towards the tens of millions of units but I, I believe those types of volumes are ahead of us over the next couple of years so so I, mean, I really do think we're at a point where customers have a very straightforward pathway to working with us and, and I mean I suppose I'd emphasize as well the extent to which we really you know although we're two companies and that, that can look like it's possibly clunky on the outside to some people where do I get support and how do I get questions answered I mean, it's been quite seamless, right? Our, our hardware is, your hardware is integrated into our hardware. Your software is part of our supply chain. And um, from a customer point of view, yes, you're working with two companies, but the support and the solution support's coming for secure things. It's very clear. It's all your solution. And the billing and the logistics are all coming from EPS. There's one order, one, one invoice, and, and, and one, one, one cost that's clearly understood. So I'm hoping that that, it's going to really be a sort of catalyst to enabling, you know, significant growth. And I, and I, mean, I know we're, we're going to Electronica next week. And we're going to be talking to several customers there. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they think of this, because I, I've got a feeling that we're, we've, we've made a really interesting step function change in our offering in the last, uh, really only in the last sort of three to six months. And it'll be great to see the customer reaction to that. I'm sort of looking forward to the week next week. Absolutely. I think, you know, we've seen customers... Being a joint customers being able to integrate security in the matter of hours rather than weeks or months, I think that that is a fantastic offering to the marketplace that we can demonstrate. And I think just in closing, there's no longer any excuses. Just do security to to steal the tagline. Mr. Thanks a minute. It's been it's been great chatting as always. I really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Thanks, Colin. We've covered various technologies and terms on this podcast. To our listeners, don't forget that all of the information you heard today is available on our website at epsglobal.com forward slash podcast. Until next time.